0: Hello, Freedom Fighters. Thank you for listening. This audio interview is brought to you by Open World Magazine, the ultimate guide for pursuing a life of adventure and passion and setting up a location-independent business that can support your dream lifestyle. Go check us out at openworldmag.com. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Open World Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Flood. To say goodbye to your first business after 10 years of blood, sweat, and tears is gut-wrenching. Today's guest found himself heartbroken, unemployed, and worst of all, had slipped into a scarcity mindset. He could have easily slipped into a downward spiral, as so many might have in this situation, but he bounced back. He turned to consulting to get by, hired a business coach, and leveraged the skills he already had to create a multiple six-figure business in just... 106 days. So I'm, I'm excited to have him on this call. His name is Russ Perry, and without further ado, I'd like to welcome you. Russ Perry from Design Pickle. Hey, Thanks. Wow, what,
1: what an, an emotional, emotional roller coaster, coaster already we have been on with my story.
0: <laughs> well, I wanted to start at the beginning. Um, yeah. Asked, <laughs> thank you so much uh, for taking your time, first of all. I know that you had to wait till the, the kids were uh, in bed to join us. Yes, no, no problem. Right. So take me back to that moment. Tell me your backstory. Walk me through from the beginning. You know, you were—I uh, know that you worked for Apple as an Apple trainer. Uh, you had a, a background, I think, in the corporate world, but then you kind of struck out on your own, and then you had to fold up your business. What was that uh, all about?
1: Yeah, yeah, so, so I mean, the, the, the short of it was one, basically, basically I was able to, to get really fortunate after working with Apple to, and then like you mentioned, I did have a, a couple in-house design jobs to launch my first quote-unquote agency, and what was really great about that was simply I was able to take really high-end training around branding and marketing and experiences that I got at Apple, as well as the practical knowledge of working as an in-house designer, and And just make it out on my own, and being, you know, that doing that at the age of, I think I was, oh man, I can't remember how old. I mean, early twenties was was exciting. I actually one major reason why I did that was at the time when I was twenty two, I had uh, my first daughter, and so I was really looking for employment options that allowed me to have a lot more flexibility. So the the logical thing to do, not really understanding the complexity of it, was, well, heck, I'm going to start my own business. So that was um, a great run. I mean, the agency became fairly successful. And for the latter half of, or the last two or three years, we uh, merged into another company with partners in Argentina. And I know you and I were chatting about Buenos Aires a little bit before the call started, but that was ultimately what I realized and it came to a head the summer of 2014 was the, the model itself was kind of fundamentally flawed as a scalable business model. And we suffered massive losses in terms of contracts. Some for definitely things we could have probably avoided. Others were simply decisions that, you know, our clients made that were out of our hands and, I realized at that point, I mean, the, the accumulation of all of this kind of came to a head. And, uh, just, just almost three years ago or two, well, let's see, 2006. So this was actually, uh, yeah, 2014, two years ago where I was uh, at a conference and I decided that, you know what? Like I just don't want to pursue this path anymore. Doing the agency model and the time for services model was. I was done. So I called my partner up or rather Skyped him into Buenos Aires and just let him know, hey, man, I can't do this anymore. And at the time, I had another daughter with my wife. So I had two kids and I was married. And there's a lot of weight that went into that decision. But I knew deep down inside that I was meant to do something much different.
0: Yeah, I can imagine what it must have been like. So you, you started this business when you were really young, and you mentioned that business model was flawed. So you probably didn't really know what you were doing when you started out, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, that's thing. Interesting. Interesting.
1: And, and if you're, you're a, clever a clever person, person and, and know your
0: way around, around on the Adobe, Adobe apps, apps, I mean, no offense
1: no to anyone, anyone who's currently a designer a design or a marketing percent. person, you could you know a lot more than most people. So it's not too challenging to sell ideas and things to other folks, but I did know that as I grew and as I tried to build a real business that I, one, didn't have the experience, and two, ultimately, even though I gained a lot of experience in the later years, it just was just too much muscle. I mean, it was a business that the bigger we got, the bigger the problems got, the higher the stakes got, and there just was no end in sight. There was never the promised land that I always thought would happen when building a business, which is like... Oh my gosh! You should have profits at the end of the month, and you should actually have a life and not work every vacation.
0: <laughs> when you're in that kind of business, yeah, I mean you're just really at the mercy of your clients, and especially when you try to do like a full service agency um, rather than just focusing on like a few core competencies, you really spread yourself out too thin, I think.
1: And not that ultimately, ultimately was, was the, the demise, demise of our agency. agency. Now I don't, don't want to. Wanna- yeah you know, okay, I was right but one major fundamental flaw with or disagreement between me and my partners was was I was seeing the specialists agencies really start to flourish here in the United States, and my partners, where most of our design team was in Argentina, they were really they were at a different sort of evolution with business down there where the generalist agencies the kind of do it all agencies were really making a run. And for anyone familiar with the industry, that was about, that was like the late nineties and two thousands for, for here in the United States. So they're about almost a a decade behind as far as business cycles are concerned. So we just had this really almost like a stalemate where I was saying, look, look, we need to specialize. And finally I won to a certain extent. And we started to resell HubSpot, uh, the marketing automation tool. And that was like, selling that was the easiest thing in the world to sell i mean hubspot makes you anyone tomorrow could become a hubspot reseller and they'll make you successful the problem lied in our implementation so we were not staffed from a technical standpoint to support what i was selling and soon a lot of the projects that we were expected to deliver on were getting delayed and then not 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 coming to fruition and that's what caused a lot of the the, the the many one of many dominoes in 2014 that ultimately led us to closing the business
0: okay there's a couple of things i want to ask you um we mentioned uh, you mentioned specializing do you, do you think that uh it's better to i mean now you just do graphic design and you're kind of narrow in your focus do you think it's better to, to do it that way even though um You're not like fully monetizing each client that you're working with? Like, do you have other services? You don't offer any other services further down the line to uh, get the full lifetime value for each customer?
1: Yeah, no, no, we we don't. don't. I mean, for for our current current model of design paper, we we just just really focus on the sometimes boring but very necessary graphic design that is usually used in sales and marketing efforts. And all the time, people are like, oh, you can do. Do digital, do HTML, do these other things, and you can charge more and have different plans and all those things. and And they're probably right. the The problem is, well, there's two. There's two things now that I've learned is that the more complex my offerings become, the harder it is for me to have a really good system for delivery. So if I start offering more stuff or selling more things, then I ha- then I either have to hire different kinds of people, I have to have different different sort of expectations with clients and that becomes a bit that becomes really complicated especially in a field of creativity maybe not so much in software and that's why you see all the different plans and things because it's just more you know features you turn on with the code but for creativity it's a pretty ambiguous field already so we've decided to keep it simple and what I found is just by keeping it simple and not going after all the revenue we can really deliver highly you know, really well with what we're currently doing and retain more clients as well as when things go wrong, know why it went wrong and fix it. So it's not like, like at the agency, when something would go wrong back in the day, I mean, every project was a one-off. So there was no system for me to go back and say, ah, you know what, where we really did something could change or fix was here. It was just like, well, we've never done this before. So how do we know like what went wrong?
0: Right, I see what you're saying. So it's better to have a repeatable system that you can duplicate and it, you can ensure a great result over and over and over again. You can duplicate these results from multiple clients. Yeah,
1: to me, niching isn't necessarily. necessarily...
0: I mean, you can niche with becoming
1: a marketing consultant for high-end candle manufacturers or whatever. I and mean, there's probably a niche for that. But to me, niching is less about finding an obscure vertical and more about having a simplicity to your business. So you know it's like you sell one thing, you sell it to one market, you have one way of doing it, and that's your niche. And it could be in your business model, like ours sort of is. It could be in your clients. It could be in your pricing or whatever. But it's making things simple enough to where people get it it's easy to to do and scale and deliver and you're not you know you're not freaking out when things grow or go wrong cuz it's, it's just simple
0: yeah and, and to be fair i think the graphic design market um, you know i don't know how big it is I, i'm looking at one statistic i think it's over 44 billion the size of that market
1: yeah that's crazy
0: yeah so you just you really just need like a tiny slice of that market to to Create a profitable business, right? Well, that's, well, that's what, what gets, gets me, me all frustrated. frustrated when people like get
1: mass, get all hater on us with the Facebook comments of like you're taking away because our design team through full transparency, when mean, go to our about team, our about page, you'll see a picture of me in in, um, in the Philippines. Like we have an international team, global team, they're full time service for us. And people freak out about that, especially in the United States. And they're like, Oh, you're, you're destroying America. And I'm like, Look, like, <laughs> first of all, like our goal right now is like 500 clients, like 500 people is what we want. We're, uh, we're at 360. So it's like, we just need 500 people to really feel, feel like, okay, I've achieved what I wanted to do. And let's see where else we can go. Second of all, like anyone who's pissed off that. Facebook ads and you know brochures are being done by someone else. You know, like to me that's not where design minds need to be focused on. Now, it's not to say that my team there they're not designers, but because of because of economics and everything, like my team loves doing the work they do because it's a great career for them and they normally wouldn't be able to have this type of access and a job just piecing together freelance stuff off Upwork. So it's a really like nearsighted critique because you're right. The market is insane. Like it's so huge. And if you want to be the guy in Philly who charges $1,000 to design business cards, like great, do it. You probably can also make a business out of it. But (laughs) your sales approach might be a little more stressful.
0: Yeah, and I think that these uh, people are kind of just on the wrong side of uh, history. I think, you know, I just read this article about, uh, I think it was Peter Diamandis, and um, he's just saying that the the cost of living, you know, the the cost of every single service is uh, plummeting over the next 20 years. You know, he talks about food, he talks about robotics, taking jobs, um, you know, all the the things that we enjoy that we take for granted today, um, you know, cost like 10 times more 40 years ago. And it's it's going to continue to change, and so you know these people who are complaining, you know, saying that oh, I need to protect my rates, that you know, a business cards should be worth a thousand dollars. I think they're just jealous, maybe, you know, because you're you're innovative, you're innovating, um, creating a new business model for the future. And, well, and, and I would, I would love, love to, to hire, hire people. people. Like, like here's, here's the, the thing: thing is for every shift in the economy,
1: and I, I I I actually wrote an article inspired by a lot of Peter's work called the, you know, it's on Medium, and it's like, like, it's like industry shift. And the design industry is just one of many industries shifting. And it's not that it's going away. It's just that, look, if you want to maintain a level of living, like you do in the United States, pursuing a design job that's focused on banner ads may not be the wisest move, not to say it's not possible. But you might want to be looking at other other fields like UI UX or branding strategies or other things that are newer or more um in line with you know the the educational system here that you can deliver on more. And it's no different than like look if you want to start a t-shirt company and hand sewing your shirts I'm sure you can do it it's gonna it's gonna take you like you're gonna have to sell these suckers for fifteen hundred bucks a pop if you really want to make a living uh, with the amount of time it's gonna take you to make everyone but you know like or you can buy a shirt at h& m for eight bucks and like focus on some other field of creativity or or clothing design. <laughs>
0: So a lot of a lot of people, especially designers, are kind of stuck uh, in the past, like past way of doing things, right? I think that um, I remember when I was, because I had a degree from the Art Institute, I didn't study graphic design, I studied advertising, and um, I really just feel like our instructors were kind of, you know, teaching us the old way of doing things, like preparing us for Madison Avenue style jobs, and, uh, you know, you hit the ground running in the real world, and it's, it's just totally different. You know, as soon as I got out of school, I was learning like SEO and pay-per-click and uh, you know, YouTube video marketing—all this stuff that they didn't teach us in school—and um, and I just found like a lot of—I felt like a lot of my peers were trying to, you know, go the safe route. They were trying to to do what worked in the past, you know, whether it was uh, screen printing T-shirts or uh, trying to get an internship and getting like a nine-dollar an hour job at some publishing agency, stuff like this. Yes. And in
1: any, in any yeah, and you know, like if like, you look at the, the global, global economy, this, this is. This is what happens, and new markets open up when, when they really, we've really with technology and access. I mean, you look at the 2000s is when when the the big juggernaut sites, um, you know, like Elance and uh, formerly Odesk and now Upwork, like those came online, and all of a sudden you're getting you can just connect with someone anywhere in the world. You're gonna you're gonna be feeling the pressures of those people to deliver the same services that that you were taught in whatever school now you know there's definitely cultural differences there's definitely a lot of other factors like you know the, like being able to meet with someone face to face has those advantages so you know there are there will always be variants that of, of careers that may remain but like printing I think is a perfect example because it's it's a technology Once so a lot of people it's a little bit easier to wrap your head around but the guy who is doing typesetting and you know press checks is like re- he can he can still do that to a certain extent but if he doesn't know how to run a digital press or use a broke print broker to get super cheap pricing he's not going to be able to stay in business long and it has nothing to do with the sanctity of his industry. It just has to do with the fact that the consumers are realizing they have different options and they're going to choose with, the, with their dollars.
0: Right. So I think one of the best things you can do is, um, well, one, just don't even pay attention to what your competition is doing. Unless, it's, unless, they're, <laughs> unless they're doing well, you know, but why would you want to go into Odesk you know, and set your rate at uh, $6 an hour like everybody else? Uh, You know, why don't you try to find some kind of competitive advantage or get really close to your market, you know, Uh, have a lot of conversations with uh, people you want to work with, try to establish those relationships and, you know, relationships, the right relationships, I mean, people can't usually come along and steal them, you know, as long as you're keeping those relationships And, and no run a great, great business. business. Like, like that's no. what is missing
1: from a lot of people, especially in design. In fact, is what keeps us in business. Is there's so many great designers that suck at running a business. So like, you, <laughs> you could, could be, be the, the best person, person in the design world, the world best, best portfolio, portfolio. and if, if you are a poor communicator, communicator and you don't know how, how to manage a client, client and, you and you don't, don't know, know how, how, how to do your books and you don't know how to price your stuff correctly, it doesn't matter. You're going to go out of business, and you're going to have a job at a an agent's crappy agency that has beer carts on Friday. But like, like if you can run a rock solid business and you're really good and you really deliver on what you promise or overdeliver on what you promise, you can charge exorbitant fees because that's what's lacking in the marketplace. It's not lacking design talent, it's lacking good business people that are like good to work with and reliable and run a good operation and people are willing to pay a premium for that.
0: Right, so Russ, you, you said that you have to know how to run a business. Um, it took you 10 years to learn how to run a business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so it's, it's not, not I easy. Mean, mean. Yeah. <laughs> so Can we short-circuit this process a little bit or does everyone have to like spend 10 years of flailing around?
1: Um, you know, <laughs> I honestly was I mean, y- y- experience is, is, there's no substitute for it. Um, there is no substitute for experience. If, if it's appropriate, I actually, no joke, just launched A course a new course around this topic but i you know i'm not here to sling my stuff i can mention it later on if you want but your experience is huge and then and then you can you can buy experience you can learn from others you can you can get into positions where you are um either in communities uh, like one's one's you know like the dynamite circle and things like that or you can just frankly go and work for other people and suck it up uh, I, I personally like to learn from others and one reason why I keep things simple is so that it's an easier business to run. So it doesn't require as much experience. Now it's a bit of a chicken or the egg because I only know that after trying to run a really complex business for eight years. So maybe your listeners can just trust me on this one and not have to <laughs> go through the same experiences, experiences that, that i had. That <laughs>
0: So take me back to where we where you were. Um, when you got out of this business after ten years, you know, you, maybe you had a I think you had a falling out with your partners, is that right?
1: You know, actually, actually we, we, falling, out falling out really
0: was really like a, a negative, negative connotation.
1: connotation. Um, um, we, like I, I I pulled the, the trigger, trigger on it, but my, my partner is a really smart, smart guy. guy. He, he kinda knew I was already looking to, to leave. Uh, but we did it really amicably. Like we're still friends to this day. And I think he's still trying to do something with the agency stuff here in the United States. But, um, but where I was at was like defeat. I mean, it was just, it sucks admitting that what you've worked so hard on isn't working or it didn't work. And now you're put in a position where you have to start from zero. And there's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of stress. Uh, I turned to coaching as kind of the one way for me to sort through my own thoughts and I went to a couple local events that were really designed for entrepreneurs I hired a coach I hired Taylor Pearson initially and um, and that's been a strategy for me ever since until today you know I still work with coaching and mastermind type models because they are just they work incredibly well for my personality and I I think for most entrepreneurs if you're not involved with one you're really like limiting your true potential.
0: Well, what I really like is that you remained uh, proactive. You know, even though you were back at square one, you still knew that, um, you know, you were still getting a coach, you were still getting mentors, you were still joining groups. Um, You knew that it was just temporary and that you were going to bounce back. That's what I really like about that. Did you ever feel like that you... uh, Because I know you're writing a book also about uh, struggling with substances and stuff like this. Did you ever feel like... um, I don't. Know, did you ever feel like like you would have to go back to a job, or did you ever feel like the situation was hopeless? You, you know,
1: know uh, in two thousand
0: and fourteen,
1: no. However, I'd already been sober for over a year, and um, and from alcohol and substances and stuff. I don't know if I'd have the same answer had I not gotten sober, because that that cleared my mind up quite a bit, and I was able, like, like. When you're sedating, whatever form it is, whether it's with substances or porn or whatever, like you're living in an altered reality, frankly, like there's a different reality. So um, luckily, I was way past that. And I was on a strong enough foundation to say like, look, I want to, I'm a creator. I know that's who I am. And it's in my DNA. I need to have confidence in that. But I also need to allow the universe to unfold, if you will, and God's plan to come through. So that's why I, I leaned towards consulting right after the business closed because I knew, it, I knew it wasn't the end-all solution for me, but it gave me a really nice runway to be able to go down a path of self-exploration to try to figure out what I wanted to do. And so often, I think, in these points of transitions in life, you – your next decision has to be made so quickly, you really are kind of forced into it. And, and, um, that was not my case. So I luckily enough was able to work with some coaching, read some books, do this, do that. And before I knew it, I was like, aha, I think I have this concept in my mind. And, uh, and that was design pickle.
0: Kind of, kind of like a deloading phase where you just kind of break away from your usual routine and just kind of, See what what comes your way, right? Yeah.
1: Substance abuse problems, but yeah, I kinda highly recommend if anyone's going through that, whether it's personally in a relationship or with a with a business or a partner or whatever, like stay away from substances altogether, at least for the time being, while you're managing it, because you you know, the clearer your deck is to be able to process everything, the more likely what comes up next is true and authentic to you, and not just a reaction or a you know hazily induced decision that you will look at later.
0: And you mentioned living in an altered reality, and you mentioned alcohol, and you mentioned porn. And I remember my friend uh, Craig Clemens wrote an article about how he he was really successful in his 20s, and then he felt like he stuck a hit a rut. And the first, he wrote this article, How to Increase Your Income by 10 times in four years. And the first, the very first one was Stop Watching Porn. <laughs> <laughs> Number two. Yeah. Was,
1: yeah. I've, I've never been, been a porn, porn guy, guy, I think. I, I mean, mean, I, I guess, guess for better or worse. <laughs> but it's, it's like, like, for me, video, like, anything, like, like yeah, whatever. That was, was like, like and, and, and I think, think about, for me, the alcohol, it's like, all the hungover days, all of the late starts, all of the nights where i'm out and not getting sleep and then the productivity levels like i took a really scientific like evaluation after i stopped drinking and i was like crap had i done this a little bit sooner i'd probably be in a much different place in my life
0: yeah so it really starts with mindset doesn't it how do you um you know do you have exercises for choosing what you for deciding what you choose to focus on like do you see a bottle of alcohol and you're like, I don't want to put that poison in my body or, um, you know, like I know that people will will frame it that way. Like smokers, for example, like I never want to put that cancer stick, uh, between my lips again. (laughs) You know, know, thankfully thankfully I was,
1: was, you know, know, I I probably probably... have it way easier and I don't just know if it's my personality type or not, but I had always flirted with quitting drinking in years you know for years and it would always be usually after a really hard night and feeling the effects the next day and like, oh, I'm never gonna do that again but when I made the decision in October 2013 there was no real bottoming out phase it was more like awareness of how this was gonna affect me in five years and ten years and my family and the risks I was taking even having a few drinks and driving and you know i live in scottsdale arizona and you get a dui and it's like you go to jail and prison i mean there's a lot of impact whether or not you agree with the consequences it's what it is so when i made that decision it was like i really i mean that's it was decided it was like a switch literally um i did go test out some support groups like alcoholics anonymous as well as a christian one that called celebrate recovery they were Frankly, depressing, and I stopped going after a while because I was like, "Well, I'm, you know, just I'm, I don't feel like I'm that bad, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess I, I did have a problem." And um, and I fueled now, and and what I did realize because there was a connection for me it was a lot about stress relief. So I've replaced that with um, cleaner eating and and you know less you know like no processed foods and usually do paleo a lot, as well as exercise. Um, meditation is, I mean, I meditate 20 minutes a day pretty religiously. And those are the things that I've now replaced my, you know, stress management tools with. And, you know, I've I've been in the heat of drinking Mecca. Like, I've been to bachelor parties since I've stopped drinking in Las Vegas with craziness going on around me and it's not even an issue like I don't it doesn't even bother <laughs> me
0: <laughs> do you feel like you have a strong why that's like a, keeping you away from alcohol and keeping you focused on these healthy things like a uh, paleo and meditation and yoga I mean do you have a source of motivation is it your family what would you say it is
1: yeah, yeah so so drinking my really marriage. I knew that for me and my wife Mika to fully you know to be the couple who's married for seventy five years that that needed to be eliminated and it's not that she wasn't tolerant of it, but I did know that there was enough stress around the topic that I could never fully you know we could never fully trust each other and I couldn't fully trust myself with that so that was one, that was my primary reason and then and then that that is then my family and uh anecdotally, I actually read a a really well-written memoir of my grandmother's life on my mom, on my dad's side, excuse me, that she had written, and when she passed away, um, in 2014, I had reread it before I decided to quit drinking, and and it was very clear that a lot of the men on her side of the family had really ruined their lives, and the reoccurring theme was 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 alcohol, gambling, addictions. So I just sort of, like, got freaked out by it, actually. And I was like, well, crap, if I die, I don't want my my memoir to be, like, because it was anything related to that. So I'd rather go out another way. And, like, like that, that was, was super, super profound, profound for me. me. And, 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 and thinking and about all all my kids, kids and, and like, like, them waking up to dad hungover or tired because I was drinking. I was like, you know what? I just never want that ever again in my family. And, like, those were the two main things. and. And I've stuck with it. I mean, and again, it's it's not even. I don't even think about. It. I dream about drinking sometimes, which is weird. But like, like I never am tempted, or it's never an issue.
0: Well, I really like how you um, you saw your uh, what is it, your grandparents. You said the men in your family, like um, your grandfather. Well, my,
1: yeah, my mom's side. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, you saw that, and then you you were like, um, okay, that's not going to be me. And it reminds me of the story that I read in. Uh, Awaken the Giant Within by Tony Robbins, and uh, there were two boys who had the same father who was in prison. You know, he's always on the wrong side of the law, and then one of the boys ended up exactly like him, and then the other one was like a successful manager of a company. He had a family. He had children, and they asked both boys, you know, why did you end up the way that you did, and they both gave the same answer. They were like, you know, given who my father was, what else could I become? And mm-hmm. the lesson is that, you know, one person saw this and they said, well, it's, it's hopeless. I'm going to, you know, why bother? And the other person saw it and they said, that's not going to be me. And it sounds like you were the latter person. You said, that's not going to be me. And I really like yeah, that.
1: Absolutely. <laughs>
0: and, and it actually reminds me of like this, this mindset. Like I was having this conversation this morning with this guy on Facebook and uh, he was saying, you know, making money online is really hard. And uh, even if that's true, I don't want to believe it. You know, cause I don't want to, I feel like it's going to pull me in a scarcity mindset. So I just told him, you know, yeah, that may be true, but I, I don't want to tell myself that, <laughs> you know,
1: it is it hard, but hard doesn't, doesn't mean like, how do you accomplish hard? It's, it's every day doing a little bit of work towards whatever path you want to go down. And like, like You know, not to brag, but I launched a new product today online, my first educational product ever on Kajabi. I'm on the Kajabi platform (laughs) and we did like $11,000 of sales. Like, so the thing for me though was like the list and the content and everything I did is took years to develop. So it's sort of like, well, if you're expecting it to come overnight, yeah, it is so it's impossible, but if you look at breaking that out over at a little bit of effort every day, then I think "hard" is a really uh, kind of a lame term.
0: You said you did eleven thousand sales in just one day. Is that right? That's,
1: That's correct. correct.
0: What's that, that product? Do you mind? I uh, want to check that out.
1: Uh, oh yeah, uh, um, I, don't I don't even know find it. it. I could, could say a link, link later. Later. It's, okay. it's, 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 it's called, called Four Weeks, weeks to Sales, sales and or to Brand, brand Marketing Mastery, market and, and what I'm, I'm doing is I'm, I'm Breaking out, um, kind of dusting off my agency shoes a little bit, but doing an online course around the components of your brand, your uh, marketing strategy, your operational strategy, and your accountability strategy as a business owner, and doing a week's worth of cor- week's worth work of content for each of those areas. And the selfish reason is is that a lot of our clients cancel because they don't they stop using our service like they're happy and they're like, we don't know how to use your service anymore. So I'm like, enough is enough. I'm gonna go create a course and like show people how to how not only use Design Pickle, but like all the stuff that we're doing. Where like I'm using my service every single day in all those areas, and it just really open up the doors and and open up people's eyes. And so I launched it to uh, our clients um, today and had a bunch of signups.
0: Awesome, very cool. So you actually did invent kind of uh, a back-end... You know, when you ask that question,
1: I was like, yeah, I guess, like, today, I guess I did.
0: Yeah, it's content, it's education.
1: To, 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 to do it. so, so I might have to change my answer from But it wasn't the more services. You know, for me, like, putting the videos together and teaching and doing all of that, that's, I love that stuff. Because that's kind mean. of everything, that that will be around for as long as, you know, whatever, whatever is relevant or as long as the topic is relevant. Is relevant.
0: So you mentioned that you have uh, 360 clients now, right? And mm-hmm. I'm just doing the math here. Uh, in just two years, right? Yeah, we launched January 2015, so that's, it's been a little over a little year and a half. So, okay, I just did, I just pulled up on a calculator. So seven and a half clients per month. Uh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. That's that's even more than that. Um, Twenty-four. So you're getting about 15 clients per month. Okay. We're
1: getting a lot, a lot more, more than that because you have okay. yeah, that insurance. Sure.
0: But, but yeah. yeah. So what's Work. what's been working with you really well? Like, is there? Um, can you tell me, like, from the beginning? You know, what were your initial uh, goals, and uh, did you find like a certain target market that worked best? What was best way to reach them, and the message you used? Yeah,
1: you, you, you know, for me, it's, it?
0: it's funny, funny because like I do you have like, like my, my initial, initial projections, projections, and they're
1: ridiculous. It's like by the end of the year, I'm going to be doing half a half million dollars a month, or you know, whatever crazy optimistic plans we all have for our businesses. Um, but you know, out of that, since we've reality set in, we've I've been so luck, lucky. I mean, we've gotten so fortunate to launch this and um, I'm beyond all expectations. You know, once I realized what reality was, I, you know, I was at 40 K recurring revenue in September and we just broke a hundred uh, this morning. So like the growth has been tremendous and the client feedback is just amazing. Um, we run NPS net promoter score to every every client and, we, you know, like we just get literally people like you are changing my business, like you know, our lives. This is amazing. So all of that, like that, is why why I started it. I mean, this is this is yeah, it's great, and we are, you know, providing great jobs, and um, my family's being taken care of. I got two employees here in Arizona, but but our 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 vision of the company is to change lives through creativity, and we're doing that every day. I mean, and I I could never. To be like totally honest, I don't know if I did that even one or two times when I had the agency, like truly changed a life. Did I make a marketing manager happy? Sure. Did I, did I, you know, create some sales for a client? Sure. But like to change a life? No way. And, and that literally is what we're doing right now. And it's just kick ass. And so, I mean, I could talk sales and numbers all day long, but that to me is like the biggest success possible.
0: So your, your clients are kind of like people that um, maybe they're entrepreneurs or small business owners and they their options are either to get hire someone in-house or hire a freelancer or go with an agency. And maybe for most small business owners, none of those options are very attractive. And so you're kind of like an alternative solution. Is that right?
1: Well, like, here's the deal. There's a lot of people are afraid to work to hire a professional. And most of the ways they do that the traditional ways, a, a freelancer, an agency, an in-house person, there's a huge risk involved. It could cost a lot of money, it could cost a lot of time, it could cost both. And so what we've done, and 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 I will I will acknowledge sites like Fiverr and 99 designs, these transactional design models, we've lowered the barrier of entry to get access to a professional designer. Now your definition of professional may be subjective and you're going to find different levels of that across different tools and services. So it really just depends on, on your unique business needs. But you don't have to worry about getting hosed because you can just work with somebody. And then now the people that are professionals, or sorry, the people that do have a lot of experience working with designers, a, a tool like ours really stands out as a unique service model, because there's a lot, there's really low friction to use. You don't have to post a job every time you need something. You don't have to worry about your freelancer or your person on 99 designs going MIA. And so for, for those folks, it's a really streamlined way to get designs. So I, and it's super cost affordable. I mean, that's the other thing too, but I don't like to start with that. Simply because it's it's a lot. We try to serve a unique need and a fit in the marketplace. Um, the price is just what the price is because it's a great price and everyone wins at that at that rate. But uh, but you a lot of our clients have a freelancer. They have a in-house person. They have an agency of record and they have a design pickle account. So it's like it just really depends on their unique business needs.
0: Yeah, but it's really hard to find clients these days who are a little bit distrustful, or who haven't been burned by someone in the past, or even not just burned, but maybe there was just some kind of disagreement, you know, by with a web designer or something like this. Um, and I'm curious, you know, like, uh, you know, when you, when you like have a call with someone, or when your sales team has a call with someone, I mean, what your system looks like, because obviously you have to build rapport on the call. Everyone knows that, um, but how do you demonstrate that, like, design pickle is? the best solution? Do you have to uh, prove that there's some kind of ROI or do you deliver case studies? Do you compare your service to other options? Can you kind of walk me through that?
1: Dude, it's, Dude, it's super, super simple. simple. First, First of all, of all I didn't have having sales, sales calls because, because anyone who wants a sales call with us already is a red flag. It's like it's like if, you're, if your needs are so complicated you need to talk about them, Then and then we may not be a good fit. I just tell everyone to try the service. It's 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 guaranteed the first two weeks. So once you're once you're on board and you have access to our tool or your designer and you're connected with them, then you can just use it however you want for the first two weeks. And I tell them, like, look, either it's a fit, you have one of two reactions when you use design pickle in our service. And I feel like like this could be the case with any service provider. So for anyone, whether it's design pickle or freelancer or anyone, especially with design. All you need is two weeks, and if two weeks go by and you're not, you're either like, "That is awesome, I love it, yes, I'm happy I bought that or paid for that or hired them," or you're like, uh, "I'm not so sure." And if you're not so sure, then you then there's a little due diligence, and we say that to our clients. You're like, "Look, if you're the latter and you're the not so sure, just ask us and talk about us. Maybe it's a bad designer match, whatever." But then in that case, if we if it's not a fit, it's not a fit, and you get refunded. Now, we have the luxury of doing that. I don't know how well your freelancer would take to that <laughs> model. I don't think they want to give your money back or not you not pay them. So I'm not suggesting you do that. But I'm just saying for us in the sales process, I just say try it. Like there's no, like our service is email based. So like a demo is me opening up an email and like typing out things and hitting send. Like, there you go. Here's, there's the demo. So it's a little, <laughs> it's a lame demo. I just just want want people to to try try it and 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 everyone's everyone's use case is is totally unique because ultimately, here's the thing. The success of of you working with Design Pickle or any designer ultimately depends on your ability to know what you want. So if you have a clear vision you can work with any tool if you suck and you don't know what's going on sorry suck is a harsh term but if it's late here in arizona i'm getting a little tired if you aren't clear and don't know what you want you're going to have to go through a lot more work to get to that end result and a tool like ours may not be a good fit you may want someone who you can meet with at a coffee shop every day and like talk for an hour about what you want because that's going to be more effective for you
0: very interesting so the the Strategy that works for you is kind of a different approach than what I've um, heard from people and uh, what I've tried myself. Um, I just know, like, you know, and I'm sure it's probably true of you too in the early days. Um, when I'm, you know, I'm doing a productized service too, which is kind of like a side business. that's called Productive Panda for social media. And my goal right now is just to book as many, like, uh, calls with leads as I can, just because I'm kind of really learning as much as I can. I really want to know how I can make the service better for people. Um, and you never know like what these relationships might might come what com- might come of these relationships. And I'm really just trying to establish strong relationships that will be my initial client base, and that will be strong and stable. And I was reading uh, this weekend. I was reading the Ultimate Sales Machine by uh, Have you read that book Chet Holmes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a long, long time ago. Actually. Actually. I haven't, haven't read the book. book Yeah, so he's got this. Um, he's got this concept we call the stadium pitch. And he says, um, I think he has a diagram where he says, you know, like 7% of people are ready to buy now. Um, You know, 30% don't know that they need it now. Uh, 30% aren't interested. But he said that you should try to create a pitch that appeals to as many people as possible. You know, not just saying like, um, you know, how office equipment can help you, but, you know, ways that you might be wasting money in your office, for example. So a lot of people would be interested in that kind of content. But what you're telling me, you said you're not doing sales calls and you're not... Um, You're only targeting, you you, you say you put people through high friction, so you're only targeting people who are like the best fit, and people who are not a good fit, uh, or maybe not the best fit, you you kind of gently turn them away. Is that right?
1: Well, Well, our our service is pretty pretty self-selecting, so I'll let anyone sign up. Like, agencies, creative agencies, for example, they don't have as much success with our tool. Not to say that they, they can't use it, but a lot of times they're using us for client work, they're they're, they're stressed out and like, they're just not pleasant people to deal with in general. So I let them sign up, but like that kind of personality or that kind of demands, like if you're dealing with like urgent client timelines or tools, not going to work for you. So you, you just sort of like evolve yourself out of it. Um, and if I can get a couple months of your money, great, awesome. Like, sorry that it didn't work out. You get to keep the files, but I've learned like, as I've evolved as a, as an entrepreneur Early days, I was in the same shoes as you were. Every single person I'd tried. I mean, it was like anything you need. I'd meet for coffee, for local people, whatever. But now I know it's far more important to get the right client than to get any client. And it's going to save us a lot of time and energy to find someone who's perfectly happy and super pumped up with our tool exactly as it is. Like I don't need to sell them at all. They can use it one time and they love it. And there's... Ten thousand of those people out there, so I'm I'm trying to find those people, not convince people that are on the fence because it's create, it's design. So the one one error, one mistake, one problem, and now all of a sudden the client's like, I knew I shouldn't have signed up for this tool. Versus the guy who's
0: loved it, loved it, loved it, and then there's a problem or an issue, and they're like,
1: Oh, whatever, I still love you, Design Pickle. I'll keep using you. <laughs>
0: So James Altucher said that one of the most important things you can do in your business is to over-deliver for your clients for the first 100 days so that you keep them for life, so that the clients love Design Pickle. What are some ways that you over-deliver or that you engineer that customer loyalty so that they're hooked on your service? Um well, well, the t-
1: current topic. topic. I, I think, think it's, 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 it's ensuring the right people, right. people sign up because our service doesn't change like you, you using it tomorrow won't be any different than a guy in Tennessee using it, but your experience, your perceptions, your brand, your company, everything about how you use it is different than the guy in Tennessee. So for us, like it's super hard to over deliver or do something more above and beyond because like it's just not how our model works. Like it's you're gonna get the same effort, the same experienced designer, the same process. So it's again, it comes back to just finding the right people. Because if I find the right client, I get one, one of the ten out of ten net promoter score that says, "I love this service. This is the best kept secret I've ever." ever found i'm not telling my competitors like i've had clients do testimonials in disguise because they don't want their competitors to know about our tool at the same level in the same day i've had people say this is the worst design service i've ever used ever like you've wasted my time and money and blah 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 so it's like nothing changed and we look at the experiences and it's like and sometimes it's from the same designer like they've had the same designer two clients give that feedback. So. It's, it's less, less about, about our, our tool and, and it's more about, about finding, finding that fit. That fit. And, and I think, think as startups and especially and with your product as service, like that's going to be the name of the game for you, because mm-hmm. let's just say you know your target's a thousand clients or whatever. There's a thousand people right now that will love your service exactly how it is, and you don't need to sell them on it. You just, just got to find those people, people fast. fast.
0: Okay, and I want to I want to jump into that, but first I want to I want to mention something that um, I do find that it helps to have some kind of system to. Uh, well, because I had an agency as well, and one of the things that really kind of set my agency apart was the way that I took care of my clients and um, especially communicating with them, uh, just mm-hmm. making sure that they never have any anxiety so that they know where we're at. You know, they know what we're working on, um, even if it's less like – I think Dan Kennedy says you should have at least 50 touches with your customers, so you touch them with some form of communication, whether it's a phone call, email, um, you know, a newsletter or something like that. I know that you do things like you have your weekly cycle.
1: Ah. I, okay, okay, actually, actually I, I, I now have a okay, good answer, answer to your, your question. question.
0: Okay. <laughs> it's, it's it's how, how we, we use our
1: technology. So if you ask what of our what of our what's our special things that we do, it is we have an insane level of communication with our clients from the moment you submit a request to where it's at in the pipeline to the status of it in the, in your software dashboard that we custom developed, and like you know everything. The the designer works every day. You're in contact, we have managers, we have a ton of team around the designer, and no other, you know, you don't get that experience with the freelancer. Sometimes Sometimes you're wondering, just like, like, where did did they they even get get my email? email? Like, Like, I don't even know. know. So So that is, that's that's going to be be our, our, like, wow difference I have have to say. say.
0: So tell me a little more about this, because this was one of our questions from one of our listeners uh, that she wanted to ask you, Russ, from Cornelia in Austria. And she says, I work 16 hours a day. I get tons of emails from my clients every day. How do you handle that? She says, I spend half my day delegating and writing emails. I'm asking myself, <laughs> how can I manage that if I get more clients? And how do you organize the communication, with, the communication structure within the company?
1: Yes. The massive trick that I learned, and I... We'll probably at some point do a whole course and teach everyone how to do this. And it started with my consulting because that's how my consulting got when I was when I left the agency. I was a one-man show. I was consulting all these clients. And consulting was like basically me running a one-man agency. I just was like, hey, who needs a marketing guy? I'll do this and I'll do this. You need business cards? Cool. Yeah, I'll do it. So I put everybody on the ticketing system. Everybody got onto a ticketing system where they can just email the ticketing email address and the time we were using Zendesk and that kept everything super organized and it was like super easy for me to manage higher volumes of communication as well as assign due dates and do all of that. And I and I would say any creative firm that's small should ditch their project management system and use a ticketing system. It is like the game changing thing that no one really thinks about, but Every massive call center, every massive IT operation, every every place that it deals with volume uses them for a reason. And for whatever reasons, the creative agency hasn't adopted it. So that's what we use internally to manage 200 plus requests a day currently. And if you were just a small operation, it could really streamline that process. That's like a really tactical thing. I mean, there's like I don't I don't wanna I don't know the business or the clients or whatever, but my gut is you're just trying to do too much too, like you're, so, you're selling too many things. So I would cut cut whatever it is you're selling in half and double the prices on the things that remain and you're, you know, whatever you're best at.
0: So the next part of this question is um, I think with a lot of graphic designers, a lot of freelancers, you know, people trading their time for dollars is that they want to – they'll take any work that they can get. You know Anyone that's offering money, you know, whether they have some kind of request, they're not going to turn away business but you obviously turn away a lot of business, and part of that is you've been able to generate a lot of leads. I mean, to get to 360 clients, I'm looking at this case study. You spent just over 4,500 on Facebook ads. You generated 496 leads and almost 6,000 in monthly recurring revenue, Uh, and you got 30 paying customers out of this, almost 500 leads. Can you you walk me through this process? Because this is something that a lot of people aren't doing not able to get this this kind of volume. I mean, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll keep you through my process, process but honestly, honestly, I don't know. It's, it's not going, going to be
1: too revolutionary. revolutionary. Here's business the deal. So working whatever, with the business, business coach line, of mine, and I was complaining about Facebook ads. And I was like, I think we can do great with Facebook ads. And I was like, I'm going to hire somebody. And he's like, hang on, buddy. How, before you hire anybody, how the heck are you going to manage them? You don't know anything about Facebook ads. So how could you know if they're doing good or not? And so I went on to Udemy and took a $25 Facebook ad course. It was like, like insane. It's like 25 bucks. And you get like a million hours of Facebook ad training. And I like literally know now an incredible amount about Facebook. And then I was able to work with, um, hire people to do it and do it well and know whether or not it was working or not and be able to hold them really accountable and that's like my strategy. Is I learned it first. I did it for myself for a while. I like stayed up super late and took these courses and figured it out and learned the power editor and and um and then I was able to 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 find someone at the time. It was this really awesome um, younger guy named Vincent, and he was you know what I could afford, and he started doing it, and then I kind of outgrew him. I did it for myself for a while and then um, actually just a few months ago hired an agency here in Arizona to manage the whole paid strategy. But like, I knew that money was well invested because I I, I can hold them accountable. I know what it is they're doing. So that, that was
0: my strategy. Okay, very cool. And you, you brought up a great point there where you said that um, you have to know what you're doing first before you delegate it. Otherwise, you can't tell whether you're getting any results or not. And that's a big mistake a lot of people will do is they'll find someone like for $150 a month or something like this to manage their marketing, but they have no idea what they're doing.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Well, awesome. Russ, thank you so much for letting me ask you all these questions for the last hour and picking your brain here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no No problem. problem. Um, We talked about a lot
1: of stuff. It's, it's been, been good. Great. I mean, it's, it's, it's I'm it's starting a little, a little like muted and stuff, this it's has been, been fantastic. fantastic. And you know, and like, like the, the biggest, biggest, the biggest thing, thing for, for me and, 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 and really sitting around, around that today is, is it all comes around the ability to, um, you know, to make decisions quickly and to learn from those decisions as, as like generic as that and vanilla as that advice is it's like truly been game changing for us as a startup and then being, and then having a simple business model, like knowing, when I make decision A, what impact it has and being able to like pivot and, and, you know, double down on the stuff that works, eliminate the stuff that doesn't. I think that's really been the, the two big factors of getting to where we're at.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. And, you know, making decisions quickly and easily. And I find that also routinizing things. Or did I say the right? Routinizing things? <laughs> um, so that you don't have to make so many decisions. Is, yeah. It's really key. Like even like Steve Jobs, for example, like he wears the same clothes or he used to wear the same clothes every day. You know, eat the same foods every day, just so that you can you don't stress so much, you know, just make it really simple. Yeah, yeah
1: absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, and mention that's that like right now black. black, I've always loved black. black. <laughs> but then I like, like just was like, like I hate wearing other clothes. So I bought a bunch of design pickle gear and like athletic workout shorts and some pants from H&M, and I wear black every day. My wife hates it, but I love it and it like just like simplifies my life, so doing as much of that as possible cannot recommend more?
0: <sighs> Will remind her that you know Steve Jobs used to wear a black t-shirt with jeans. You know, all the Dude, so I, I remind her every day, day and she's like, you're not
1: Steve, Steve Jobs. Show me Steve, Steve Jobs' success, success and you can, can look, look, look like an adult, adult, adult goth, goth kid, kid so as much like as anyone. you want. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: all all black. Black. <laughs> <laughs> so congratulations on your success, Russ. What would you say your lifestyle is like now? Would you say that you have a lifestyle business? And I know that you've, um, you had some goals that you set for yourself when you created this business as far as how you wanted your life to look like. Do you feel that you've achieved that?
1: Yeah, yeah definitely.
0: definitely. I, think I think the biggest, biggest
1: thing is that that. I, I've really come into the fact that I have a lifestyle business. I mean, I work, I mean, it's almost ten o'clock, and I got to get up at four a.m. to get the day going tomorrow. But it's not a—it's not easy. It's not simple. But I've—it's totally integrated, and it's something that I—that I—I um, knew this was the life I wanted before I started Design Pickle, and so this was really—this is the outcome of being really clear about those sort of non-negotiables, and then creating a business around it, which. For, I was fortunate enough to do over the last few years.
0: Well, part of this business, uh, creating this business for you, was being able to do things like travel. Uh, I know you wanted to spend summer in Japan and Italy. Have you been able to take on some of those lifestyle goals as well? Yeah, we we just just got got done done with
1: five weeks weeks in uh, Southern Southern California, California, Dana Dana Point, which which is kind of a a a test for us. We are an eight-month old, so we couldn't fly fly too far just in case. case. But I think in in a couple couple years years, we'll go uh, abroad with our summer trips and knock out that Japan one. I will hopefully soon before 2020.
0: Very cool. Yeah, I see more and more people traveling with kids and with families these days, so it's definitely possible. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, three little a little much,
1: especially, especially if you're, like, they can't even move or walk or talk or communicate. So we'll yeah, probably, probably keep, keep stateside, stateside for another year or two, or two and start going abroad.
0: Well, thank you so much, Russ, and best of luck to you. It's been really great. If someone wants to get more information from you, if, if there's like a newsletter that you have that people should sign up for, what do you recommend? Yeah, yeah, you know, you know the, the two tipping.
1: things is just going to our site, designpickle.com. You'll get hit with pop-ups and course things and all of that. And uh, if anyone's interested in my new, my new course that I'm doing, um, doing, we're doing our beta class in August, so that's going to go live. And you can go to designpickle.com backslash brand to be able to check that out.
0: Okay, and who's, who's a great uh, fit for that? Honestly, it's,
1: it's going to be um, anyone who's running a, running a business, and it could be a big business, a small business. It's going to be covering a lot of the details of the inner workings of Design Pickle. So like how our operations run, the systems, the documentations, how the brand works, how our marketing strategy works. And then we'll have live components too, like calls and webinars to kind of unpack those ideas and customize them for, for the class.
0: Four weeks to brand and marketing mastery from university. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. thank you so much. I know it's late there. I don't want to hold you up any longer. No
1: problem, Dan. Hey, yeah, I love this.
0: This is a really, really great, really great, great. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. it. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. All right, All right take care. care.